We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So multiple anonymous NFL executives didn't mince words with regard to why Lamar Jackson hasn't garnered any external interest outside of Baltimore since the Ravens placed their non-exclusive franchise tag on him last month. In Mike Sando's latest piece published on The Athletic, he shares what those execs had to say specifically, and I'm going to dissect every bit of it coming up in topic one. I'm Bobby Trossett, still solo podcasting while Sarah and her family are in Japan. It is Wednesday, April 5th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. You know, the harsh reality about this year's NFL draft for Baltimore is that it may be looking at quarterbacks to target late on days two or three. I'll take a look at four of those potential prospects just ahead. Plus, ESPN draft analyst Todd McShay's latest mock is out, and he has the Ravens going after another wide receiver with their 22nd overall selection later this month. We have all that and more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news in about 15 minutes. So Mike Sando of The Athletic, one of the most well-connected writers in NFL circles, put together his annual in-depth look at all 32 teams' free agencies through the eyes of league executives. And surprise, surprise, Baltimore's review has garnered quite a bit of attention. Mike writes, quote, The Ravens' deteriorating relationship with quarterback Lamar Jackson hangs over free agency. The market has validated the team's decision to use the non-exclusive franchise tag, but to what end? So far, the only activity seems to have been on social media, where Jackson announced he requested a trade. Quote, we all agree the player is not able to win in the playoffs, but where is your better answer? An exec said, you don't have one. They should have committed to Lamar two years ago. Instead, they disenfranchised their franchise quarterback. They are the Green Bay of the AFC North, couldn't have a relationship with the top guy, close quote. So awfully strong words there, obviously, from an anonymous executive. And first off, the way he refers to Lamar as not being able to win in the playoffs, to me, feels a bit harsh. 
There's no question that his one and three record in postseason play is nothing to boast about. And the numbers haven't been pretty either. We're talking about a 55% completion percentage, three touchdowns, five interceptions, 19 sacks taken, and a passer rating of 68.3, which is 28.4 points lower than his regular season average. Again, this is over the course of four games. But for this executive to sit here on maybe his high horse and claim that Lamar isn't capable of winning in the postseason, that's not fair, especially with such a small sample size on the board right now, right? Like, let's not forget that the great Peyton Manning, he began his career 0-3 in the playoffs before going 2-7 and over his first nine games. And it's awfully hard to believe that he finished as strong as he did with an above 500 record at 14 and 13 when it was all said and done in January and February. But my point here is that Lamar has his entire career ahead of him. And to put him in that kind of box, I find it disingenuous, especially when several other quarterbacks around the league have gotten big paydays with an underwhelming postseason resume. And certainly Kyler Murray first comes to mind in recent memory in that department. And one other thing, too, this unnamed executive claims that the team should have paid Lamar two years ago. Well, I don't know if he's been living under a rock, but they've been trying to get something done for two plus years at this point, right? Everyone's entitled to their own opinions as to why the deal hasn't been finalized and which side is the reason as to why that's been the case. I've made my points on that subject countless times since the contract figures were leaked by the NFLPA, so I'll spare you and hold off on beating a dead horse. But back to Mike's piece, though, and I'll read this as a direct quote. The issue with Lamar is the way he plays. No one has ever really played that way for a long time, and you have to completely change your team to do it, another executive said. That's fine on a rookie deal. But you're not doing it at $50 million after two injury-plagued years, close quote. Now, as for the idea of collusion by league owners against the next fully guaranteed deal, again, this is a direct quote from another executive. If Patrick Mahomes were in Lamar's shoes, he would have 30 offer sheets, all guaranteed, close quote. Okay, look, no kidding, right? Of course Mahomes would have everyone lined up. He's far and away the best player in the sport. He's 27 years old. He's got two Super Bowl titles under his belt, two Super Bowl MVPs to boot, two league MVPs, five AFC championship games, three All-Pro honors, one NFL Offensive Player of the Year honor, and he's never posted less than 12 wins in a single season with Kansas City. So look, as great as Lamar has been in the regular season, and he has been great to the tune of a 45 and 16 overall record. Right without him since he was drafted, the Ravens are 8 and 14. But with all that said, the two players just aren't comparable at this point in their careers because at the end of the day, it's what have you done for me in January and ultimately February that looms largest. Still to come here on the vault. I'm talking some quarterback prospects and specifically some guys that could be going late day 2 or even late day three, later this month at the NFL Draft. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So in Jeff Zarebek's latest piece on The Athletic, which of course I referenced often throughout uh, Tuesday's morning vault, he mentions how Baltimore could be in the market for a QB at some point during the weekend of this month's NFL draft. Uh, To read a direct quote from the end of Jeff's piece, the Stetson-Bennett connection is easy to make with Todd Munkin, the former offensive coordinator at Georgia, now on John Harbaugh's staff. But the Ravens did their homework on a number of QBs in this class and should have a few options on day three of the draft. Stanford's Tanner McKee, Fresno State's Jake Hayner, Purdue's Aiden O'Connell, and Houston's Clayton Toon are all developmental quarterbacks projected to go either late on day two or on day three. With the uncertainty surrounding Jackson and Huntley eligible to hit unrestricted free agency next offseason, this feels like a good year to bring in a young quarterback. Of course, with only five picks, DaCosta will have to decide whether drafting a QB is more of a luxury than a necessity, close quote. So let's begin with Stanford's Tanner McKee and talk about these guys a little bit. So McKee stands 6'6", 231 pounds, who was a uh, consensus four-star recruit and a top five pocket passer in the nation. According to the Draft Network's profile scouting, uh, McKee immediately checks the height requirement boxes. Obviously, he has the advantage of standing tall in the pocket with a full view of his route options over his offensive line. He's a throwback-style quarterback that thrives on winning from the pocket. And when protected, McKee can distribute the football with confidence. He's most effective when attacking the short and intermediate areas of the field this past season. Stanford implemented a more deep mesh RPO into their offense along with some designed boots and rollouts, and McKee did not look like a fish out of water and operated them effectively, again, according to the draft network. Now, McKee's development is still a work in progress. His upside is limited due to the lack of physical and athletic tools that he possesses, so really his upside is going to depend on ultimately developing his mental game as much as he possibly can. Next up is Fresno State's Jake Hayner, who stands six foot, 207 pounds. He had a long road to becoming an NFL draft prospect, going from essentially a low-level, under-recruited guy who failed to beat out Jacob Eason at Washington to then transferring to Fresno State, where he would wind up breaking both David 
and Derek Carr's passing records that stood for several years. Now, according to the Draft Network, Hayner has below average size and height, but above average overall athleticism. If you're looking for a physical freak QB prospect, he probably isn't for you, but there is still a ton to like about his game. For an undersized QB, Hayner displays an above average arm and an ability to hit all the throws an NFL offense will ask of him. He's a right-handed passer who is quick, and he's a rhythm passer as well who throws with outstanding timing and anticipation. Now, if Hayner were bigger and stronger, we'd be talking about a surefire top 10 pick, but he isn't. So with his lack of high-end traits, as the Draft Network states, it's hard to see him ever being a top starter at the next level. But with his natural ability as a passer and the competitive toughness he displays, they wouldn't be shocked to see him develop into a low-level starter who you can win with if you surround him with a good team. Let's next discuss Purdue's Aiden O'Connell, who stands 6'3", 213 pounds, and he's scouted as a tough and gritty pocket passer. He's a rhythm and timing passer that thrives within the offense's structure. He attacks the short region of the field with good accuracy and ball placement. He displayed the ability to put the ball where his wide receivers can make a play on it and is capable of leading receivers away from their defenders. According to the Draft Network, O'Connell is a gamer without a doubt, but he's not a starting caliber quarterback right now. They envision him and project him as a long-term backup option, one that could be a spot starter to get your team out of a pinch. Uh, but overall, he has an average set of tools and an average skill set. And finally, Houston's Clayton Toon. He stands 6'2 and change, 220 pounds, plays with great confidence, stands in the pocket, works himself through his progressions, and uh, trusts ultimately what he sees and he's going to consistently deliver the football to his receivers without hesitation. Uh, the Houston offense stretches teams both vertically and horizontally, and Toon's best throws are in the short to intermediate areas of the field. He does a good job of quickly reading coverages and delivering the ball to receivers in both zone and man coverage. Now, according to the Draft Network's overall summary, Toon shows to be an effective and efficient, quick-processing QB that can make plays to help his team win the game, but due to his lack of arm strength, he should be in an offense that doesn't require him to drive the ball into the deeper portions of the field consistently. So ESPN analyst Todd McShay's Mock Draft 4.0 is out, and he has the Ravens selecting TCU wide receiver Quentin Johnson at 22 overall. Now, before I dive into Johnson, I'm going to be sitting down with Emery Hunt from Football Game Plan later today, and we're going to dissect 10 wide receiver prospects that the Ravens could potentially be taking a swing at either in the first round or even potentially uh, day two selections based on how their draft board shakes out. So it's going to be a film room style kind of episode. It'll be available here and also on YouTube as well for the on-camera perspective. Now, this is what Canadian film analyst and Ravens Twitter enthusiast Cole Jackson had to say about Johnson last week. The thing that people are going to get excited about with him, uh, he's 6'3", 208 almost 34 inch arms. So he's like your, your prototypical X receiver that the Ravens have been looking for 
since Anquan Bolden, it feels like, where they're looking for that big, tall, long, fast guy. Um, and then, you know, he didn't run the 40, the three cone, or the shuttle, but he had a 40 and a half vert jump, an 11 2 broad jump, um, you know, two explosive measurements. So he's kind of that explosive receiver. Um, you know, he had some insane yards after the catch. He actually had, I think he was 19 miss, missed tackles forced which was 11th in the NCAA doing that at six, three, um, two ten is, is, is pretty crazy. Usually it's those little shifty guys that are making guys miss, but Quentin Johnson has that elusiveness. The only thing I'll say about Johnson that I want people to be just a bit more weary of, um, he's not that physical jump ball guy that I think many people see his size and they think all Sean Jeffrey and, you know, Demarius Thomas and those kind of big physical guys that are going to get up for that ball. Um, that's not his game. He's a finesse receiver. Um, he, you know, he's a deep ball. He tracks the deep ball really well. Um, you know, he's fast as heck. Um, and he uses that yak underneath. Um, so, I mean, he, he has the tools to become that guy. He's got this, the, the speed, the jumping ability, the length, those things are there, but you don't see it pop out on film where he's kind of physically dominating the guy in front of him. He's more of a, an elusive player. Um, he reminds me actually a lot of former Raven, Torrey Smith. And again, that's not, that's not a knock on him. Torrey Smith was a very good player. Um, but Torrey Smith was never that big physical guy, right? He was he was that flanker Z receiver that was going to kind of be that deep threat, make some plays, get some yak. You know, I still remember that Torrey Smith slant that he took to the house. So, you know, it's not a bad thing. It's just I, I think people see the big physical, the, you know, the, the, the specimen, and they expect a certain play style, but that's just not his game. Um, you know, he's, yeah. I see him as a Z receiver, but I also think he's a great outside wide receiver and can compliment Rashad Bateman really well. And here's Johnson himself from last month's appearance he made on Good Morning Football. So somebody that's, that I've been kind of watching, you know, ever since I came into college just uh, you know, from his releases to him, him, him making certain routes look different ways is, um, is Devontae Adams. Um, uh, even though, like, our, our play style is obviously still kind of different, I still, you know, try my best, especially off the line of bear by getting up his. Um, I'm, I'm obviously a big, big receiver, 6'4", uh, who plays, you know, in my opinion, like I'm, you know, uh, smaller than that with my with my yards after catch. I feel like it's pretty top tier uh, right now. That's only going to keep going from here, uh, you know, transition to the league. Uh, you know, I can get in and out of breaks pretty good, and I'm, uh, you know, uh, obviously a deep threat. So, yeah, for sure, pretty me, for sure. <laughs> and before I fly, some other quick news items, beginning with this, according to NFL insider Josina Anderson. The Ravens are one of several teams to again be meeting with quarterback prospect Anthony Richardson ahead of this month's NFL draft. This will be Baltimore's third meeting with the former Florida standout. Elsewhere, in that same piece that I referenced earlier on, published by Mike Sando on The Athletic, an anonymous executive told him that the Ravens, quote, will sign two to three guys after the free agency period ends, close quote. Quote, that's how they operate, close quote. In other news, former Ravens scout Daniel Jeremiah joined the Pat McAfee show this week, and he told a hilarious story about former NFL cornerback and return specialist Adam Pacman Jones, who of course spent the majority of his career with the Bengals. By the way, I saw Pac there, so I got to give you my quick Pac-Man story. Uh, 
for when he for when he was coming out. So I was with the Ravens. Um, he actually, I believe, ended up as the number one player on our board. Like we we loved him, and Ozzie Newsom loved him. And when we brought him into our combine interview, uh, it was one of the all time answers to a question. So one of the coaches asked him, "How would you grade your hands on a scale of one to 10? And Pac looked at his left hand and said 10, and then he looked at his right hand and said 10. He graded them individually, not collectively, <laughs> and gave them both 10. So he got a 20. Well, that motherfucker just couldn't even keep up. He had a different grading scale. Back, you're a legend. Always have been. How would you? That's awesome. I heard at the combine, and we just heard the story. I don't think we were paying attention close enough at the time. He The 225 thing, he did it one time to prove to everybody he could do it, and then he said, all right, I ain't this ain't, I just want to let you know, I can if I wanted to. I don't know how many I could because I'm never going to try it. I don't need it. What? It, yeah. Hey, wouldn't it be nice to run a 428, huh? 428. Oh, man. Have, he was so good, man. He was so good. You should see him at pickleball or thunderball. Yeah. He's kind of. <laughs> he lost it in basketball, too. Oh, yeah. He's kind of. He's figuring it out. He took a year off. You know, he's retired. All right, let's dive into some stuff. We appreciate that story. We appreciate you, too, uh, Pac-Man. And finally, Penn State All-American cornerback Joey Porter Jr. reportedly has an upcoming visit scheduled with the Ravens at some point in the coming days. Joey's the son of Steelers legendary outside linebacker Joey Porter Sr., Thanks for listening to The Morning Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. If you've been enjoying our content, please consider joining one of our membership platforms at patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast. As you probably know by now, we have been betting on ourselves by creating content independently from any big broadcast station or corporation. And with your membership support, you'll give us a chance to keep churning out daily Ravens content for years to come. And a special shout out to two of our returning patrons this month, Lisa and Bryant Mason. We appreciate you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore. We'd also love to hear from everyone, whether you're a patron or not, with comments, questions, or if you'd ever be interested in advertising. You can reach us by email via BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. And that is all the time we've got today. But be on the lookout for my instant reaction to today's Liars Luncheon which is the annual pre-draft press conference conducted by John Harbaugh, Eric DaCosta, and Director of Player Personnel Joe Hortiz. Mm-hmm.